Welcome, welcome, welcome to 2019. Happy New Year. I'm recording this on New Year's Day. It's 9am. I've taken myself out for a nice walk. A place called One Tree Hill near me. One Tree Hill. Not a fictional TV location, but an actual place near me. It's, I mean, it's bullshit. There's there's a lot of trees. It's, uh, it's, it's fake news. But yeah... Nice early walk, 9am on New Year's Day, as it's become tradition for me now since last year to do the the Films of the Year podcast out and about on a little walk, what we call going full Buxton. Rosie! Uh, I don't have a dog, so no flyby. Although I did just meet four dogs, the first four people I've met this year been dogs so that's a good start to the year I'm going to uh, t- take a bit of a stroll and then find a bench and go through my films of the year there's a lot of dogs and I look like a weirdo because I'm ta- talking talking into a microphone I think I'll go across to the left no the right we brought you as ever Oh, I started started with an uphill. So I'm a little out of breath. Uh, we're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. I'm about to launch some very, very exciting new merch. I did a little photo shoot the other day and a video uh, to announce it. It's very exciting. You're going to love it. But I can't tell you yet. So keep an eye out there. Oh. So here's how it's, it's going to work. Oh, I, sh- I mean, it's not an official sp- sponsor, but um, in fact, it's not a sponsor at all. But I'll mention now in the intro that a lot of the films I saw this year uh, were with my C- Cineworld card. I genuinely, I, I, I post a lot about how important it is to go to see films in the, in the cinema and this will come up again, again later because it influenced my list in an unusual way. Um, yeah, how, how important it is to support independent films in particular in the cinema because they're dying out a little bit. The big blockbusters have never had bigger b- box offices in the cinema. You know, they're bigger than ever. But the little indies, they're at risk. Of, of of not being made anymore and the cinema is the place to stop that but people I tell you about that and people say it costs so much but if you're a, a fan of films as much as I am and seeing films as much as I am I'm lucky I've got a, a Cineworld near me then a Cineworld card I mean I think the films this year because of how many I went to see averaged out about £3 a film maybe £4 a film which is pretty affordable, really. So, um, yeah. And there's tons of small independent uh, cinemas out there that are, are very affordable as well. So, support films in the cinema. Right, the way this is going to go, before we drop the intro music, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by going through the long list, I think. Am I going to do the long list first? No. I'll do the top... 16 first 
a 16 may seem like an odd number, but uh, this started off as a thing on Instagram. And 16 is a good number to fit into a square on Instagram as a picture. And eight is too few. I could not select eight films in a year. As said, I've seen, I think it's over 80. I'll list all of them at the end. The way I compile this is every time I go and see a film, most at the cinema, a few home releases, Netflix and whatnot, I'll note them on my list of films. I'll put a star by them if I think they're going to be potential films of the year list. Um, I'll then, a couple of days ago, or yesterday in fact was the last edition, um, I'll trim down the list to 16 but I'll put the word long list next to the ones that um, were starred and didn't quite make the list. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how it works. It's, it is worth mentioning actually that um, this list was updated. A, a film made it onto the list on New Year's Eve. A lot of you know I spend New Year's Eve at home alone watching a couple of films. But because of my dedication to the list, I had a couple of films I wanted to get watched in case... I make the list. So yesterday on New Year's Eve, I got up early and watched t- t- two films, and one of them made it into the list. And then in the evening, I did my tradition of I've selected some films I want to watch. I watched two films by Alain Robe Grille, um, who's fantastic. I watched The Immortal One. I've not seen any of his stuff before. I'd had it. I bought a box set. I'd had him recommended. I watched The Immortal One and Trans Europe Express. Um, the Immortal One, I loved. Didn't really know half of what was going on. It's beautiful. He's he's a director who... He wasn't a, a novelist, a, a, a pulp writer at points, and uh, adored. But he's annoyed some as a, a director. Um, and The Immortal One kind of l- leans in the direction of why. Um, I don't know a chunk of what that was about, but it's a film that you're meant to kind of enjoy in the way that you enjoy a painting. Like, you can adore a painting. You can absolutely love a painting without understanding the meaning behind it. Or you might not even know this, the subject of the painting, but you can adore it. You can uh, love it all the same. And then you, your your love might be increased by reading up on the intent or the meaning or, or the content. But, you know, it doesn't change that um, initial love. And there's a big... It's... It's something that's gone from film so much these days. We love to have everything t- tied up in a uh, a little knot at the end, explaining everything, everything t- tied off and concluded, and we got closure. And uh, yeah, Alain Robé Grillo certainly wasn't about that. But then in trans. A Europe Express, it's all tied up in a knot and it's beautiful, it's amazing, it blew me away um, it's clever and irreverent and witty and it's a, a lot of this year has been me, or a lot of last year I've been I've been working on scripts and different story ideas and it's going to be hard not to completely take huge influence from Trans a, a Europe Express, fantastic but um, yeah, anyway I think I've told you everything. I'm going to go through my films of the year and then the long list. And then at the end I'm going to do the characters, my top three characters I've met this year. Um, and I might mention a few specific scenes that I've enjoyed. But um, yeah, let's drop the music and start 
Films of the Year 2018. Right, here we are. Before we get into it, I'm going to give a little bit of a, a deeper explanation on something I touched upon in the intro. Um, there are no superhero movies in my films of the year list this year. And that's not because there weren't any good ones. This year has been my favourite year for superhero movies. A Black Panther, Deadpool 2... Infinity War, Ant-Man and Wasp blew me away. I'll come back to this Venom I loved and gave me my favourite end sequence of any, possibly any superhero film ever. And then, um, of course, the rightfully lauded Spider-Man into the, into the Spider-Verse. Oh, and Aquaman I quite enjoyed, but none of them are on the list. And the reason, the reason for that is I enjoyed them all hugely. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't select between the superhero films, if that makes sense. Like, Enter the Spider-Verse was so different. Ant-Man and Wasp was such a different experience to Infinity Wars. And I didn't want my film list to just be f- filled up with, with superhero movies. Um, I've been speaking a lot about the importance of seeing smaller films. That's not just being a poncy twat. This year, there were some independent films and smaller films that absolutely blew me away. And it felt that they definitely deserved to be on the list. Um, and definitely deserved your attention. So, I struggled to push any of them off to celebrate one of the already hugely celebrated uh, superhero movies. So, because of that, I said I decided to um, to not go for any at all. So yeah, but I'll go through, I'll touch upon them when I do the long list and things like that. But um, let's let's start. So, at my first, um, I'm, I've not I've not really organised this. I've got I've got the picture up, but um, yes, first, and I'm doing these in the order that I watch them. Pretty much, there's one that's not, but it's because it came in last minute, and the film I switched out was a film I'd seen earlier in the year and I didn't want to change the artwork completely. It's a long story. First of all was a film called Dark River and dear God it blew me away. It's a film that I was invited to see a preview of because of the podcast. I was hopefully going to have my dear friend Ruth Wilson on the podcast um, who's in Lufa which starts today I think. Oh that's exciting. Yeah this film blew me away. It's a tough watch at times. It tackles really dark subject it tackles the subject of abuse of child abuse essentially but it's it's all set on a farm in england so in brief following the death of her father ruth's character alice is returning home to her village for the first time in in years and returning home to her brother who's been kind of looking after the farm and yeah it's 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 amazing the way it tackles this subject is it's tackled in a way I've never seen before. The performances from Ruth and Mark Stanley are 
dear God, they're mind blowing. Um, yeah, it's largely a two person film, and their performances are amazing. They're so nuanced, and I said the approach of the subject is nuanced because it brings in something I've not seen before that is the struggles of others knowing how to handle it and knowing you know their reactions potentially not being perfect them finding out or realizing and not knowing what to do all this kind of thing it's 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 amazing as ever on these I'm going to avoid spoilers so I'm just going to heap praise upon them and move on essentially but 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 yeah it's it's a harrowing watch but dear god it's an amazing watch um speaking of harrowing watches <laughs> my second film of 2018 is journeyman paddy considine's uh return to acting and directing his return to directing after tyrannosaur which was amazing I was concerned about this film. I had heard that Paddy had struggled a little in the he he poured his heart into it as he does with everything. A, a previous guest, an amazing artist, he poured his heart into it, but I'd heard he was struggling with the battle of getting in cinemas and getting independent films seen. You know, if you're in a band, as Paddy has been in bands. You play to some empty rooms and, you know, you'll do that all day long. You know, it's about the art and you'll play to more empty rooms until you're playing in full rooms. With films, that's not always the option. If you play to a couple of empty rooms, you might not get to play to any other rooms. It's a weird... It's 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 it's, it's why, I'm, as I said, I keep pushing the, the urgency of going and watching films in the cinema. I also feel it's... A, different experience you lose yourself in a film in a different way in the the cinema than you do to watching at home but i'll stop banging on about that so knowing that paddy struggled a bit and knowing that this was a film about boxing and and knowing how much of a boxing fan paddy is paddy hit me up a year or two back asking my advice on some on some mma fights to watch because he couldn't get into it i wanted to to watch the kind of the history the classics to try and to try and open it up but knowing how much of a boxing fan he was i was concerned because i like a boxing film i like boxing but i'm not knowledgeable or obsessed to the level of paddy so i was concerned that this was going to be a very niche film that that paddy enjoyed <laughs> but that was was kind of over the head of anyone who wasn't a boxing obs- obsessive and i went along to a screening and i couldn't have been more wrong if you're a boxing fan then you'll enjoy this sure but you don't have to have ever watched a boxing match or enjoyed a boxing match or film in your life to be blown away by this amazing, amazing film. Um, the performances from Paddy Considine and from Jody Whitaker, oh, they're heartbreaking. If you're not in bits at the phone call, I, I recommended this to Stuart Whiffin. We talked about it a bit on the on the Drunk Cast and he had to pause it because he was he was in bits at home. He watched it at home, and he had to have a he had to have a minute. Um, it's amazing. So yeah, that's number two on my list. Let's continue on to oh Jesus, another just emotionally evocative film in a different way. It's brutal in places. Um, y- y- you were never really here. 
Lynn Ramsey directing, who's oh, she's amazing. I, I, this film presents one of my biggest regrets of the year. I was offered Lynn for the podcast, and I, I'm, I've been round for guests all year. I've had to turn down a lot of great people, and Lynn was offered, and I said, look, I've not seen the film yet. And all I've seen of hers is, uh, oh, we need to talk about Kevin. So I don't know if I'll have an hour of conversation there. You know, I select my guests on whether I'm the right person to get a good interview out of them. Not if they're worthy or if they're great or whatever. I said, rain check on that. And then I went to see Are You Ever Really Here? And I, ins- I literally, before I left the screen, I emailed saying... Any chance of ignoring that past email and letting me have Lynn on and their schedule was already filled up or she'd left or whatever it was. So, yeah, it couldn't happen. And since then, I've watched uh, More Than Color of hers, which is amazing. She's amazing. And this is her her coming out film as such. It was because of this film that she was... Or one of the people, or one of two people on this list, who were um, highly touted by film fans when the job of Bond director came up, because I was like, this would be a different kind of Bond, and truly it would. Um, Joe Quinn, Joe Quinn Phoenix, Joaquin, Joaquin, that's right, isn't it? Joaquin Phoenix in this is. His next level, it's absolutely amazing. He plays a scary, dangerous, badass um, veteran, a war vet, who's hired to track down... His job is he tracks down missing girls for a living. And, uh, yeah, he's... You know, to say it's a job, he gets paid, but it feels like... He'd do it for free because um, he takes a certain amount of pleasure from exacting revenge on those who are kidnapping, who are taking these these kids. And a, a, another career-defining a performance from Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, he seems to have career-defining performances every film now. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, it's 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 brutal. It's a violent. A watch but it's an amazing watch and it's it's made me just excited for everything that is to come from lynn ramsey scottish writer and director and absolutely amazing right on to the next one funny cow this blew me away again obviously i, I don't know if i'm repeating myself but i mean this has paddy constantine and and stephen graham in two uh previous podcast guests and dear friends and Maxine Peake who I've gone I've meant to have on the podcast a few times in fact I was meant to have on for this this one as well this was the same time where I was just insanely swamped and couldn't fit people in but um I love Maxine Peake and Funny Cow's amazing it's the story of um a northern woman using her her not pleasant past and family life and you know, husband and all this kind of thing, using all of that as inspiration for, or as material for stand-up routine. And 
she attempts to to launch herself as a stand-up. It's set in the the seventies, late seventies, early eighties, I think, in the north. And she's trying to become a comedian in a in a in, in a comedy scene that's very much men in working men's clubs, as it touches upon often recycling the same routines over and over again. Uh, it was before the kind of American stand-up boom. It was before people like Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. Before, um, so Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce, Bill Hicks, and Richard Pryor in that order. No, probably Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor, and Bill Hicks in that order changed comedy and made it this amazing art form and brought it to the masses. Eddie Murphy pushed that even further. But before that, it was men telling jokes in working men's clubs. And this is very much set then. And it's an amazing uh, performance from Maxine Peake. It's, it's uncomfortable, because even as the hero of the piece, some of her material, uh, it grates in modern day. But, you know, it's it's kind of, it's telling the story of the time. When things could be a little bit more uh, racially insensitive, gender insensitive, sexuality insensitive. Um, yeah. But it's great. I recommend that. A lot of these films are on demand at the moment, either on iTunes or Sky, or on, on one of your Netflixes or Amazons or whatever. Next film is the first one that's someone I had on for the podcast to promote it, um, is a film called Revenge. And I had a rare time when I allowed two people on the podcast. I'm normally quite strict um on one but i loved uh, this film and they were available as a pair i had uh a matilda lutz and Coralie Fage. um and, Co- and, and, and Coralie is the other person on the list who was hyped to take over the uh the vacant bond director slot and it's because of this film this is a debut film and it's gone crazy oh it's it's wonderful i talked about it a lot on the podcast obviously so go back and, ch- and check out that that episode in fact i'll fast forward this a little bit because i've talked about it a lot in the past and you can go and listen to that in, in detail but it's essentially a, a, re- a, a revenge film a young lady is left for dead let's say um and not quite there it's amazing it's vibrant it's exciting it's original it's bonkers it's incredibly violent and maybe the best thing is the lead man in it really reminded me of Neil Harris, Millwall goal scoring, uh, all time record holder and current manager. So that that was a big thing for me. But uh, yeah, I'll go on to the next one. And the next one, the way I've positioned it on my list is the film that made it onto the list yesterday. Um, it's called One Twenty BPM. And it's amazing. It's a it's a it's a French film. Another a French film. A Revenge is a French film. So two French films in a in a row. Um, and it's it's about a a group called Act Up, Paris. Um, it's set, set in the eighties. It's eighties or nineties. Eighties, I think. It's a group called Act Up Paris who are an activist group demanding. Uh, changes in action from the government um, in reaction to the AIDS epidemic. Yeah, 
and it's 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 unflinching. A few years ago, Pride was 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 one of my films of the year, and uh, this is like Pride, but done in the way that only the French can. It's 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 heartbreaking, but it's it's raw and honest. It's f- funny. It's energ- energetic. It's not. It's no doubt it's heavy, but it's heavy in a way that you'll have heavy scenes that you're laughing at by the end of it because that's the reality of life as well particularly with people dealing with terminal illnesses um for a lot of people it can't just be all doom and gloom it can be it can it can bring in gallows humor and there's a lot of that in this um i can't recommend it enough i thoroughly enjoyed it in fact the whole run on this on this level of the of the instagram picture i've not done the instagram post yet by the way i now I release it as the podcast first and then as the Instagram post because I think if I just did the post people would look at it and th- throw their opinions at you rather than taking what you're saying it's, it's oh man don't get me started on that the reason I now post the the list of all the films I saw of this year as well is because the response will always be oh you, oh, you should have seen this so you, you don't know that I didn't just you know this is my list this is the films i enjoyed the most it's okay f- for you not to agree it's my list it's right because it's my list it's what i enjoyed the most it can't be wrong your list can be di- different and that's right that, that's right too because that's your list but people would always throw that or oh you forgot this nope <laughs> i'm thorough i didn't forget anything um anyway i've gone off on a tangent yeah, it's just this whole run of films is by a, a European directors, and this n- next one um, is by a Swedish director called Ruben Ostlund. Ostlund, and it's the first one of the lot that's that's that drifts in and out of of different of, ma- of many different languages. Chunks of it in English. In English, are one of the main characters is. Elizabeth Moss, who's the lead in Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid, Handmaid's Tale. It's got Dominic West from The Wire and many, many other things. So, so there's a lot of English. But um, it blew me away. I was discussing my films of the year list with Brett Goldstein. He does a films of the year list as well. His films to be buried with podcasts. He's doing a special. And we were discussing anything that we might have missed and this was one that I brought up as I don't rank my films of the year but if I did this may be number one or it would definitely be in the top few and the reason for that largely is two scenes I'm taking a little I'm standing up and taking a bit of a stroll that's how excited I am about about this film two two scenes one there's a scene with a child a young kid and his performance is one of the funniest and scariest performances I've seen in years. He's wonderful. I don't know who the actor is, but by God, he's amazing. And the other scene is by far my scene of the year and one of my f- the best scenes I've ever seen in a film ever. And it's a guy called Terry Notary, who I've not heard of other than that, but um, I've looked into him. And yeah, he's he's essentially, he's playing... He's playing an artist doing a performance art piece 
and it's one of the most heart-in-mouth moments of cinema I have seen in my life. I said the film is The Square. I've not said the name of the film. The film is The Square. Yeah, he does this scene that's a performance art piece, and heart-in-mouth. It's um, it's amazing. You stop watching it as a viewer, and you become part of it. You start to ask the questions that the audience in the film are asking and potentially come to the conclusions that the audience in the film come to and that's a hell of a ride to go on for a for a film i tell you um yeah it's amazing i can't recommend it enough i know it's on um it's available on amazon video i don't think it's actually on prime it's available on itunes it's available on sky all of these it's available on dvd and blu-ray so um I can't recommend it enough. The whole film, it's as I said, it's a Swedish slash Anglo-Swedish cr- crossover film that's kind of looking at the the art world and both laughing at its pointlessness and also kind of celebrating its beauty. It's kind of, of wonderful in that way. I've not watched a lot of the European films I watch are dramas, and this is very much a kind of dry comedy dark comedy type pastiche type thing there's another a person who was on the podcast uh david patrick lowry he posts a lot on his instagram stories about the films he's watching and we have stayed in touch since the podcast and asked if he'd watched the square and he said he had he loved it but he recommended force majeure which is um a rubin Usland's film from 2014 and I watched that and it was amazing as well it's again it's it's this weird kind of comedy type thing um but yeah it's wonderful um but speaking of amazing visceral performances up next is another person I had on the podcast earlier in the year Joe Cole in A Prayer Before Dawn and again, I'll be kind of brief on this as we talked about it in huge detail on that episode. Prayer Before Dawn blew me away. It's the true story of a Scouse boxer, Billy Moore, who was incarcerated in one of Thailand's most notorious prisons. But one of the big things in the prisons in Thailand is the, is the Muay Thai tournaments. And you can kind of earn your freedom uh, through that and it's amazing the performance from joe cole is next level i was half an hour into this film before i realized joe's character is the only one that speaks any real english and there's no subtitles and that just gives such a visceral viewing experience because you're living it as billy moore did you're you're watching the interactions in the prison but not knowing you know the intricacies of it all you're you're getting is the 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 feeling the emotion the intimidation all of these things so yeah it's fantastic i'm going back to sit down now because a dog walker is coming with two big big black fluffy dogs um hopefully one will come and say hello but um yeah it's amazing most of the cast in this are previous um convicted criminals and um or 
or, or Muay Thai boxers. Um, so, so yeah, there's only what a one, maybe two other people in the film who are actors, I believe. But yeah, absolutely amazing. It's directed by Jean Stéphane Solver, who's jumped up my list as one as someone I want to work with. Um, obviously, everything on this list are people I now I want to work with as an as an actor. But yeah, amazing piece. Oh, we're, we're churning through the uh, the previous guests now. So next up is a film called Calibre, which I had Matt Palmer, the writer and director, on the podcast. And Calibre was this year's kind of sleeper hit on Netflix. It's an independent, tiny, tiny budget Scottish thriller more than horror. It got thrown into the horror world because, or partly because... Stephen King tweeted about it as one of the best films he's seen in ages. Again, I won't go into crazy detail on this because um, we did a whole podcast about it, so go and listen to that. But it's a cracking film. Um, It really, it's about two lads who are out in deepest, darkest rural Scotland and something happens and they have to choose how to deal with that incident. And it, it gets such realistic such relatable fear and panic even though the actual thing that happens i'd say for the vast majority of us isn't relatable it certainly isn't for me but yeah amazing work from everyone involved it it was quite rightfully up for numerous best writer director all sorts of stuff in the, the scottish bafta and i believe it was the best male lead or the best male actor category Every nominee in the category was from Calibre. So <laughs> that kind of says how how great this is. Like They definitely were going to win, and they did, obviously. But all the, the whole category was essentially best actor in the Scottish BAFTAs this year became who was the best actor in Calibre. Uh, which is actually, now I put it like that, a horrible, a horrible thing to, to do to such a, obviously, a close-knit team. We would have had to put this together. But yeah, it's wonderful. Next up, oh, this was a hard watch. This is a weird one where I watched it and felt I couldn't recommend it to many of my mates. Um, it's a film called The Escape by writer and director Dominic Savage, who's amazing, um, with Gemma Atterton and Dominic Cooper. I'm a fan of everyone involved there. Um, the reason it was a hard one to recommend is it's all it's based in Essex. And it's a story of an Essex couple who are doing their best, um, but the wife isn't happy in their relationship and is lost. And is, is a parent and kind of feels like that's all she is now. And the husband has the, has the, the pressures of providing, but then, you know, w- works hard at that. So then has anger initially at his wife not being happy or or, or or feeling that all this work he's putting in isn't delivering anything. Oh, I'm being swarmed by small dogs. It's lovely. Hello. Hello. You all right? Um, it's a recorder. It's, it's, it's a recording device. I'm just recording um, a, a film a, a film review. So I like to come out somewhere nice and, and rural to uh, uh, to do that. It looks so 
bonnet it's on. It's got its fluffy bonnet. It looks like a troll doll, <laughs> it does doesn't it? Do you remember them? Yeah. Well, Happy you New Year. Like you're to <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a maniac over here on the hills. Well, Happy New Year. And you. Bye. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, 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 but it's so honest. And the thing, the reason it was, it's hard to, to, to recommend was the nice side of the, of the relationship. I've seen in so many of my, of my friends in Essex, in where I live, in where I've, I've grown up, the dark, horrible side. I hope not. <laughs> Because it gets dark and it gets unhappy and it gets miserable. But the nice side and the trying to provide and trying to live what is prescribed as what we should be reaching for in this kind of area, in this kind of um, setting in the current economic climate. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's so, so well observed. The performances again, just beautifully. Gemma Atkins' performance is so s- subtle and nuanced, and it's wonderful. I can't recommend it enough, but just not to any of my mates because I don't want any of them watching it and going, "Oh right, turns out I'm miserable." <laughs> I thought I thought I was really happy and I was nailing it, but turns out, nah, nah, turns out I'm miserable. Um, and life's really tough. Oh, it's good. I'm 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 thinking about it more and more now. And I said it was a weird a weird one at the time because often I'll come out of these films and I'll have specific people I want to text or recommend. Uh, Revenge and you were never really here. I came out and told Chris immediately. You got you're gonna love these these films. They're amazing. Journeyman and another film on this list. I, I messaged Stu Whiffin immediately. I was like oh. Oh, you got to see this. But yeah, this one I wanted to... I, I'll i admit, I had friends that came immediately to mind that I wanted to text and say, don't see this. <laughs> don't. It's, it's, it's wrong for you. But, but yeah, I recommend it. Joking aside, I recommend it to everyone. It's amazing. Uh, amazing. Amazingly small story told in a... In a huge uh, uh, way, S- similar to um, Locke, in that way. Have you seen L- Locke's D- D- Stephen Knight and Tom Hardy? Oh, they tell a really a minute story, really, but they it builds the drama of a great th- thriller. It builds the drama of of you know a world a world th- threatening event because they've put s- such a um, what's it called? A, micro- a microscope on someone's world that that is it is now a world threatening event. The the stakes are that high because it's their world. Um, it's not the whole world, but it's their world. And the way this is made is it builds that dr- drama to be just as important. I love it. Next on the list is the more you ignore me, written by Joe Brand, and she, and she, and she has a. Um, a supporting role in it, the, 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 directed by Keith English, and amazing performances from Ella Hunt and the legendary Sh- 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 Sheridan Smith and Mark Addy. Actually, um, in fact, everyone in it, as Sally Phillips is amazing in it, as you'd imagine, um, and Ricky Tomlinson is amazing in it, and Tom Davis, 
Big Tom D is amazing in it. Um, it's great. It's it's again. It's I, there's been a lot of good Northern f- films uh, this this year. I tell you, it's about mental illness and Morrissey and guinea pigs. It's a story of a daughter and mother, and the mother in, Sh- in Sheridan Smith has mental illness problems, and the daughter and husband do their best to cope with that and to manage and to support. But it's not easy. The the breakthrough that the daughter and mother have is their in in connection is their love of Morrissey and the Smiths. The more you ignore me, obviously a um, a Morrissey lyric, and it's wonderful. It's it's wonderful because it's again similar to Dark River. It's it's unflinching on saying, look, this is really sad and horrible for, for this person. But also, it's okay for the others involved to struggle or to get sick of it. To be like, oh, look, I can't be bothered with dealing with, uh, with you anymore. You know, to go down those those routes, it's it's a horrible thing. And a lot of us will potentially experience it. I think the biggest way people tend to experience it is at the end of the lives of elderly our relatives as people start to deteriorate it can be heartbreaking it is heartbreaking but if it's an extended period as well it can be heartbreaking because it can stop being heartbreaking if that makes sense it can start to be an annoyance and I remember it with uh one of my nans who I loved dearly but deteriorated over the years and there was a big period where she was a nightmare and that feels horrible to say because once that journey comes to an end you'd you'd give anything for a a few more um rems of that nightmare but um at the time it does become a chore it becomes annoying it becomes frustrating A, a, a chore is exactly it and that's horrible because it's a loved one and they're struggling it's not their fault but it's also, it's kind of, I've not seen that kind of addressed in film, really. The kind of, the perspective of those caring and having the boldness to admit it can become a fucking ball ache and it can become tough. And the different char- supporting characters in this film, supporting as in supporting the the, char- the mother character, they're, they're kind of leads in the film, but... Yeah, the different supporting characters cope in different ways, have different ch- challenges, have different approaches to it, have different t- 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 tolerances. And yeah, it's fantastic. I really recommend it. Um, I managed to catch it. I was watching, I had two screenings in London I had to go to for, for podcast stuff and I had a two and a half, three hour gap in the middle. And in that gap, I found that that this was on at the Empire in Haymarket, actually. So it wasn't on my Cineworld card. The bulk of these have been on my Cineworld card or on previews. But yeah, um, I, I went and watched it and I couldn't have been more pleased that the timing allowed it and it fitted in. So yeah, that's great. Next up, the only documentary on my list. There was two more, I think, that made the long list. I'll get to that that uh, sh- sh- shortly. We're down to our last five. Um, but yeah, the only documentary that made a list Matangi Maya 
MIA, the documentary about singer and activist MIA. Um, I'm a fan of MIA, so I went to this again. It was a preview I was invited to. I'm a, f- a fan of her, of her music. I didn't know too much about her life, I guess. I knew a bit. This documentary blew me away. It was far more than I was expecting. This was the other one that I came out immediately and messaged Stu Whiffin and said, dude, you've got to go and see this. It's amazing. It turns out that MIA was originally, all she wanted to be was a documentary maker and a filmmaker. So from a very young age, as she carried a camera around with her and documented stuff from civil war in her 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 family's home homeland to being on the road with Britpop legend sleeper no not sleeper elastica was it elastica or sleeper elastica i think i'm directing videos for them at like 16 17 18 kind of age all the way through to her career the kind of her being put on a threat list by America, listed as a terrorist and a threat to American culture, which is crazy. Yeah, it's a hell of a story. It's really yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It's it, it's 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 mind blowing. But I will move on to the next one as we're almost at the hour mark. Next up is a film that was probably my most enjoyable or enjoyable. The biggest roller coaster I went on in this the cinema this year, and it's climax. Gaspar Noe is one of my, of my favourite directors of all time. Um, I think he's amazing as a writer director. He did the films I've seen of his. The first film I saw of his was Irreversible, which is a, a tough watch. The next film I saw of I watched that in the cinema. Then I always make sure I watch Gaspar Noe films in the cinema because they're an experience. It's a ride. Uh, the next I watched was Enter the Void. I had to watch I Stand Alone at Home and I watched Love at Home, which I'm pleased because it's... It's, it's, it's filth, mate. It's, it's filth. Beautifully, though. Um, and I watched Climax in the, the cinema. And you know what? I think Climax is my favourite Gaspar Noe film. It stars previous guest Sophia Batella and essentially a load of dancers and just representatives from the LGBT community. And what's great about Gaspar is he obsesses over things as a filmmaker. He, he's unflinching and he will push boundaries and try and shock and try and make you uncomfortable and always do it in a, a brilliant way away in my opinion but um he obsesses over things and in in irreversible he kind of obsesses over violence i guess um he he really he looks deeply at it and won't turn away and won't let you as a viewer turn away in sex it's sex in love in love sorry it's sex he puts a a microscope on it hello 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 you all right that dog isn't a, f- a fan of my recording device. Um, yeah, in love, it's he puts a microscope on on sex, and you are forced unflinchingly to look 
deep into the eye of a penis. <laughs> Essentially, in in the film Love, there is a lot of gr- graphic real sex, and it's beautiful. It's shot beautifully. It's observed beautifully. He the the thing that that Gasper does is he doesn't turn away. Um, he puts the camera on a taboo subject or something he's interested in, and just makes you keep keep looking. And th- things like sex and violence are things that we're not comfortable l- looking at. Yet we've become incredibly comfortable just watching on screen because of the way we cut through things and make it. We're allowed through editing and through presentation to uh, distance ourselves from these things. And Gasper doesn't allow that. He just puts it there and goes, no, no, this is a penis being wanked. Have a good look. Can you, you enjoy that? That's... That's what that looks like. It's. We, I mean, we're going to keep going this until it reaches its natural conclusion. And there we are. There's its natural, sticky conclusion. Um, but the great thing for me, so on that, so on, I guess on into the void, his obsession. He obsesses over kind of psychedelia, the idea of mind expansion. And he puts a microscope on that and it gets trippy and confusing and you could get motion sickness uh, from the experience the ride he takes you on there. But what he puts his obsession into in Climax is his dance. And that sounds so weird. The fact I've gone all into this and then I'm like, it's basically a film about dancing. It's not. It's got darkness. It's got drama. It's got horrific moments, painful moments to experience but it's all through it's um, i mean essentially from about five ten minutes in it's a dance group who are in this this remote place and they're practicing and preparing a thing they finish and from then on it's one dj set so you've got a soundtrack being mixed throughout a dj is playing and they're all enjoying it everything that plays out around that is within this this one DJ set that builds, that drops. All the drama is led through dance and through music. It's delivered through amazing performances from amazing artists um, and amazing dire- and and an amazing the director. He does a lot of his trademark long roaming one shots, which obviously I love. I'm a, I'm a, a one shot guy. If you've seen my introduction video or Stunner or No Nimbus or no whimpers, you'll know that I'm a fan of the long one shot. And yeah, it's amazing. It's That's up there with the square, if I was to rank my films of the year. Um, anyway, three more to go. Are you excited? And then I'll go through the list I'll go through the whole list and I'll mention... No, I'll go through the long list and then I'll go through the others. Because on the long list, I'll probably want to talk about a few of them a little bit. It's going to be a long episode. We're we're coming up to the hour mark now. Next up, the last film that features someone I've had on the podcast. And I won't go into, into crazy d- detail because I had them on the podcast to talk about this film. It's... <coughs> cough, cough, cough. Sorry to bother you. Boots Riley is 
a fucking inspiration because <laughs> talking to him on this on the podcast i was kind of the thing that blew me away the most that this is his writing and directorial debut and it is bonkers it is out there it it, it doesn't pull any punches it pushes all the way out and i was kind of speaking to boots on the podcast saying how how did you get this much freedom on your directorial debut this feels like a fourth or fifth film where you've got the confidence of studios and you're going right now i'm gonna flex my muscles and his response was it's because this was the only film i was trying to make i wasn't trying to make films i was trying to make this film so it was all or nothing it was all or bust you know it was yeah and it's amazing the performances from Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson are amazing everyone in it is fantastic but again it really is it's a rare film where the star is the is the directorial style and the and the writing that's kind of it is it's weirdly at the forefront it's weird that the, the Boots Riley is at the forefront of a film he isn't in. And not in an egotistical way either. It's just the the stamp he puts on this film is so bold that it it's it's you can't avoid it. It's wonderful. So yeah, I really recommend this. It's surreal and odd. It's drenched in meaning. I mentioned in the intro about the Immortal One and how... Some things don't need to be explained and that kind of thing. This is a film that you can watch on that level. You can watch and there will be tons that you think, that was mad. I don't know what that meant. But it will all have meaning. It will all have an explanation. You, you can go and read up on what it means afterwards and what the, the hidden imagery was and all these other things. It's a, it's such a layered film. There's so much going on in that film. I can't I can't wait to watch it again actually. It'll it'll be out on DVD soon, I'm sure. But yeah. Oh, it was good. Um right, next up on the list is a film that walked the line numerous times of being a bit cheesy or a bit shit. And at no point did it cross that line and by w- taking the risk of walking that line it made it all the more amazing it's a film called B- 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 blind spotting um it's written by Raphael cassell and david diggs and they're both the two stars of it and it's amazing it's about two lads in the hood um who are removal guys and it's about their loyalty to being kind of ghetto kids one of them happens to be a white ghetto kid that comes up it's their loyalty to how hood they are and how hood they want to remain it's wonderful the humor in it is constant yeah it's again it's making big big comments on on gentrification on the obsession over racial lines rather than class lines in in America in particular there there for, for a long time now there's been you know an an agenda or seemingly a clear battle between not battle but conflict between young black men 
and the white world, the white oppressors as such. And I don't use that with any irony or or, or anything or lightness. Um, but this kind of addresses the fact that it's 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 colour is a huge factor in it because it's easily identifiable but but class is the real division and again i can speak of that where i live this part of essex it's not the rich part of essex it's the rougher part and it happens that round my way a lot of the rougher kind of poorer areas are white working class kids and they're the kids that are getting in trouble and getting arrested but also the kids that are getting overlooked and getting blamed and getting written off and that's a, that's it's, it's just it just it's depending on on geographical location isn't it it's just in america in particular and parts of england obviously i'm not oh god i'm opening a can of worms here it's a film podcast i'm not doing a, a one of them in, incidentally i've had uh, patrice Clures earlier in the year of black lives matter on the podcast um, Alexis Cowell, um, who's a writer who looks at um, people f- fighting extremism in Africa, but everyday people f- fighting it right now. So I've had some amazing people on these kind of subjects, and also obviously Spike Lee, uh, Boots Riley. We talk about this kind of thing, but yeah, it just happens that in America, the class divide is then accentuated or highlighted by the racial divide. And this film touches upon all of that without at any point feeling preachy. Oh, and did I mention it's kind of a musical? Weren't expecting that, were you? So so basically, both of the leads and the actors who play them are rappers. And there's points where they kind of they break into verse and that's the points where i said it walks the line of being cheesy and it never crosses that line or gets there it's really good the first time it's kind of they start freestyling or whatever i was like "Uh, all right okay but then there's a few points it happens when there's genuine drama and you don't get pulled out of the drama you get pulled into it more and it's exciting so yeah blind spotting is the second from last and the final one on my list, you, you've probably got a lot of things in your mind, a lot of things on your list. They're like, oh, is that going to be in there? I know that if Brett, if Brett Goldstein bothers to listen to this, sorry, I've got a stutter. If Brett bothers to listen to this, he'll be sitting again. Is he going to include? Is he going to include shoplifters? Yes, he is going to include shoplifters because it's a bloody beautiful film. Again, another one I saw in the cinema. Um, I, again, the bulk of these I've seen in, in the cinema. I, let me go back to the list. So, The Square and Calibre are the only two I watched at home. Oh, and one and one twenty BPM. All the rest I watched in the, in the cinema. The majority of them, or the majority of my my full, full list, heavily on my Cineworld Unlimited card. Again, not sponsors. I just I rate it. It's, it's been good for me. <laughs> um, but sh- Shoplifters is amazing. It's... Oh, where to begin? It's a film about a family... Or On, on, on Wikipedia it says, A family of sm- small-times crooks taking a child 
that they find outside in the cold. And it is kind of as simple as that, but oh, the performances from everyone in it are so beautiful. And these are, the, it is a family of crooks. They're, they're, they're shoplifters. They've trained the kids to thieve. They go out robbing. But they're lovely and they're really nice. And they take in this, this a young girl who's essentially abandoned by her family. And it's beautiful. There's a scene where um, <laughs> I need to mention that this this was actually talked about perfectly on Brett Goldstein's Christmas special of his films to be buried with, where he had Luce Sanders on, who was meant to be asking Brett his films to be b- b- buried with questions, but she switched it to be in her Cuddle Club podcast, which is an idea she came up with when in invading a films to be buried with once and she basically asked all of brett's questions but with cuddles instead so what was the first cuddle that you remember seeing what was the cuddle that made you you cry the most what was the cuddle that made you laugh the most all his film questions but with cuddles and it genuinely is it's genuinely great i want Lou Sanders to do Cuddle Club on the Distraction Pieces Network officially I'm putting it out there Brett talks about a cuddle in this film and there's a point where the the matriarch of the family I guess oh no I guess the grandma's the mate uh, the, uh, w- w- one of the women in the family is I think she's changing the young girl that they've taken in is it after the rain scene I don't think it is um, and she notices scars on her body and i'm literally i'm welling up now i'm getting a bit my my voice is going and she gives her a hug and she she touches the scars and says no matter what anyone has told you in the past that's not what what love is that's not how people who love you show love and that's not all right Oh, God, it's beautiful. Genuinely, I'm standing in the field and I'm getting emotional at how beautiful that's, that scene is. And then she gives her a hug and it's proper lovely. And the relationship in this film between the father and the son is beautiful and heartbreaking. Between the father and, and, and mother is a beautiful and heartbreaking relationship as well. It's wonderful. It really is a wonderful film. I can't recommend it enough. So... Oh, I've wrapped it up by getting all, <laughs> all emotional and struggling to speak. Let's go through the films that made the long list. <clears throat> and I'll try and keep this brief. So, th- there's also some films on this list that I saw this year, but came out in 2017. And there's a couple that come out in 2019. So I've noted them on the list, but I've disqualified them because of their year. Now, part of that is... I struggle to get the list down to 16 as it is so for example one of the films i saw at the beginning of the year was the florida project and that's instantly gone into one of my favorite films of all time it would it would have made last year's list if i'd watched it in time but i didn't so it didn't anyway the uh, the long list phantom thread is the first one that comes up on the long list absolutely daniel day lewis is just the best his performance in this is amazing it's his his last ever f- 
films, supposedly. I've actually reached out recently to try and get him on the podcast. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I found I had a contact, and I put that out there because he's amazing. Next on the long long list, Black Panther. Man, that was this year. Um, Amazing. Amazing film. So so good. I talk about it a bit on the episode with Patrice Kalur's from Black Lives Matter because it's a film that genuinely has impacted the black community. It's great. Next on the list, Annihilation. I really enjoyed it. It's a Netflix film. It's a Netflix film I wish I saw in the cinema. I love Netflix, but I wish I'd seen that in the in the cinema. Next up, I did say in the in the cinema, Ghost Stories. So, so not a ghost story, which I mentioned on the episode with David Lowry, but Ghost Stories by Andy Nyman. It's fantastic. I watched it. Sat a few seats away from Professor Brian Cox, and he jumped a lot. Both of us jumped a lot. It's a very jumpy film. Next on the long list, Deadpool 2. I love it. I love... Yeah, it delivered. Deadpool came out and set a high bar. And Deadpool 2 has followed up on that. So yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Next on the long list, Avengers Infinity War. Dear God, that is a superhero movie, if, if there ever was one. It's epic. It's over two hours and it doesn't feel like it at all i think it's it's battling three hours but yeah fantastic next on the long list is 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 hotel artemis that really nearly made the list i had drew pierce on the podcast and i loved hotel artemis it was the that was one i came out of and text chris immediately to say you're gonna love this next up is two more films that, that i've had the directors on the podcast that's not the reason they're on the long list. I just, I'm pitched well. People know the kind of films I'm going to be into. So, American Animals, I had Bart Layton on, and Black Klansman, which I had Spike Lee on. And g- g- genuinely, the screening of Black Klansman I went to, I had to r- rush out of at the end because I was in the screening with three, maybe four m- middle aged and upwards. Men, stuffy uh, film reviewer types. And by the end of Black Klansman, I was in tears. And I didn't want to have to deal with the lights coming up and me being in a room with some stuffy middle-aged white men as I'm in tears because it's an amazing film. So that was close to being on the list. Another one on on the long list was Ant-Man and Wasp. Why wasn't anyone talking about Ant-Man and Wasp? It's fantastic. I went to see it at the cinema right at the end of its run because I love seeing all the superhero films in the cinema, but I'd been really busy. And I hadn't heard anyone talking about it. I thought, it's probably not that great. It's great. It's it's brilliant. The the thing that was great about Ant-Man was that it didn't feel like a a superhero movie, the first one. It felt more like a rom-com or a buddy movie. And this continues that. There's tons of genuine laugh-out-loud moments. And the action's great too. Next up is Yardi, um, Idris Elba's directorial debut. It's amazing. I was worried. Not worried. But this is a big film to take on as as your directorial debut. It's it's got tentacles reaching to Jamaica and back. It had a vibe to me of 
of um uh bloody hell, I've just forgotten the name of S- City of God, of course. It it reminded me of City of God. And if that sounds like high praise, it is. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought all the performances were great. Stephen Graham's in it in an amazing performance. Um, I loved Yardy. That was in in the final 16 for a long while. Another film on the long list, The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Uh, I believe this is on Netflix. Highly recommend it. Um, One of my favourite guests of the year has been... Desiree Akavan and partly because for some reason I was unaware of Desiree Akavan's work and then because I was pitched her I watched The Miseducation of Cameron Post and was blown away um, I then watched her her series The Bisexual and was blown away so yeah I love this it's amazing it's a real it feels like a star making oh, she's been a star for a long time but a real standout role for Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, yeah, it's cracking. Next on my long list is v- v- Venom. V- Venom, the highest grossing origin story of superhero film of all time. And one of the highest gr- gr- grossing films of the year. And also one of the biggest dividers of audiences and and critics. <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed it. I felt it, it it took you on numerous different journeys. At times, it I, was, I, I went in unsure because I'd heard some bad reviews. And obviously, a lot of my mates are involved in this. Tom Hardy's a good mate. Riz Ahmed's a good mate. Ed Kelly Marcel's a good mate. Jacob's a good mate. There's a lot of people involved in this that I got a lot, a lot of love for. So I kind of went in nervous because it's shit when... Your mates are involved in something that you watch and you're like, oh, I didn't enjoy that. And then you have to deal with that or not mention it. Like, if I didn't enjoy it, I would just have skimmed over it in this. I wouldn't I'd be talking about it. But I really enjoyed it. By the end, it was a film that I was most excited about a follow-up for. And the, the post-credit sequence is the most excited I've Possibly the most excited I was in the cinema this year. And the most excited I've been by a Marvel post-credit scene. So yeah, there's that. The Old Man and the Gun is next up on the long list. I loved it. It's beautiful. I talk about it a lot on on, on the David Lowry episode. I leave No Trace, I really enjoyed. Um, that's available on a lot of, I don't know, Sky and stuff like that. Mandy, it's as as bonkers as everyone says. It came really close to making it into the final lot. It's mad. Visually, it's amazing. It's Nicolas Cage at his his batshit best. Um, A Bohemian Rhapsody is next up. And I went to see that at the end of its run because it didn't appeal to me for some reason. I thought, it's not going to be that great. But towards the end of the year, I was watching a lot of films to make sure I'd seen them so when people brought them up when my list came out I could go I did see it it was shit um, and this was not shit it was amazing it had me in tears as well the performance from uh, Rami is next level it's wonderful even if you're not a a Queen fan it's amazing next up Three Identical Str- Strangers another documentary that almost made the list it's amazing I won't tell you much about it but it's 
yeah, it's a documentary that you need to watch. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the final superhero movie on my list. It's, again, the hype around it is crazy and it is all deserved and warranted. If I hadn't decided to remove superhero films from my list, this would surely have been on the list. Next up on the long list is Bird Box. Amazing. Amazing. Just snuck out over over Christmas time on Netflix. Really really well executed the young girl in it is a show stealer it's wonderful next up the ballad of buster scruggs also on netflix um i loved it it's amazing it's another one i've forced in towards at the end of the year because of my films of the year list i wonder if i'd watched it earlier in the year if it, if it would have made the list you know at this point in the year the list is starting to firm up. I've kind of had an idea in my mind of what has to be on there for a while. And maybe if I'd watched that earlier, it, it would have been on there. But then I watched, I won 20 BPM right at the end of the year and it made it on. So, but yeah, amazing. And finally, Loveless. Yeah, great films. Um, that's all I have to say on all of that. Uh, before I get to, I'm going to read through the whole list and tell you. In fact, actually, I'll mention now. I had a disqualification, a Black Mirror Bandersnatch. I loved it, but I couldn't put it up against anything because it's, is it a TV show? Is it a film? Is it a computer game? It was so good. I loved it. It was so, so well executed. And I'll be honest, I said, yes, at this stage, I'm protective of my list and there's films I don't want to take off because I want to talk about them and tell you about them. So it's hard to get on the list at this this late stage so any excuse i can have to disqualify you i'm gonna and that's what happened here i can't put it in there how can you compare that experience to any other film you know it's not like a film it's a game it's oh it's amazing i loved it but you're not allowed on list um so there was three films i wanted to watch but couldn't find anywhere uh a film called madeline madeline Four, actually. Madeline, Madeline, I haven't got to watch. Bodied, I'd heard, was good. Um, there's been a lot of bad battle rap films in recent years, and Bodied is, is looking good. Versus is actually this shit. That that should kind of have made the long list. That that came out this year. All set in the South End. A battle rap film. Really good day executed. As I said, there's been some bad ones in recent years, or ones I haven't enjoyed. And Versus is great. Bodied, I've heard, is is really good and eighth grade came out this year in america i think it comes out in the uk in january or feb so hopefully that'll be on next year's list so yeah there are a few that i wanted to watch but couldn't find roma i've not got around to watching yet i've heard good things about it's on on netflix it's on my on my list i'm gonna do my three favorite characters of the year that i've enjoyed in 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 cinema so number three coming in at number three is the little kid in the square so the square, as said, arguably the square and, and climax. It's a battle between them two as my film of the year. And that kid is number three of my characters of the year. Number two is the whole family in Shoplifters. I can't divide them up. They're such a beautiful family. They're wonderful. And number one, my favourite character that I've met in film this year isn't in one of my films of the year. It's, it's Buster Scruggs. Now, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs has said it was close to being on the list. But The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Other Stories is a collection of shorts. The first one 
is the story of Buster Scruggs. And that is one of the best characters I've ever seen and met. I adored him. Um, if it had been a whole film of him, it might have made the films of the year. But no, I guess actually he's such a strong and b- bold and weird character that it probably would have ruined it by being any longer his story being any longer other, other, other than it was. But he's wonderful, and that's my favourite character um, of the year. I'll wrap things up now. I'm going to go through the films I saw this year. <clears throat> that that count as this year. I've watched other films. I've watched old films. I watched a great um, Jean-Pierre Melville. I watched a great Melville box set earlier in the year. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm cultured, so... <clears throat> um, let's get on with it. So, the first four films I saw this year all came out last year and therefore did not qualify. Blade of the Immortal, a fantastic uh, martial arts film. Star Wars The Last Jedward uh, Jumanji which I really enjoyed I thought it'd be crap it's brilliant and The Florida Project which it ripped my heart out of my chest it's amazing then let's go through Bright I loved it A Last Flag Flying also loved it that had one of my favourite scenes of the year the scene where Steve Carell and Brian Cranston and who's the third guy? I can't think. Are all in a train train carriage just making each other laugh. Amazing. Anyway, I can't talk this much on all of them. So, yeah. Bright, Last Flag Flying, Dark River, The Greatest Showman, which wasn't for me. I said, because Brett Goldstein loved it. For me, it was a film. I said this on the Cinema Podcast. I recommend the Cinema Podcast. They're a great film podcast as I recommend films to be buried with. Also a great film podcast. But um, it felt like a film that had come into the room, pulled up a chair, flipped it round and sat on it backwards to to relate to you youngsters. Journeyman, Phantom Thread, Mum and Dad, more, more Nicolas Cage madness there. Black Panther, You Were Never Really Here, Mute, which I really enjoyed. It was another one that mixed audiences, but I believe part of that is because I saw it in the cinema. Everyone else, I watched it on Netflix, and I think sci-fi loses something on a small screen. Anyway, a sh- sh- Shape of Water, or F- Fishman and the Mute, as I insist on referring to it. I, I-, I Tonya, a little film called Walk Like a Panther. <clears throat> I mean, it. I couldn't put that on the list. Come on, that would have been so arrogant. The Outsider, Annihilation, Ghost Stories, Funny Cow, Ready Player One, loved it, A Quiet Place, loved it, Revenge, Rampage, Deadpool 2, The Square, Cargo, Great, Anon, God's Own Country, I popped that in there, because although it's an old film, it was only last year, so it didn't qualify, but it blew me away, Um, amazing, Fahrenheit 451, Avengers Infinity War, Solo, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Hereditary, Prayer Before Dawn, The First Purge, Calibre, Sicario 2, Hotel Artemis, Skyscraper, Incredibles 2. You see, I didn't only go and see, see Ponzi independent films. I like all sorts of films. It's just that's what made the list. The, the, the Escape, The More You Ignore Me, The Little Stranger, American Animals, Black Klansman, Mission Impossible, Fallout, Extinction, 
the Meg Wildlife Ant-Man and Wasp Yardie Alpha. I recommend that. The Miseducation of Cameron Post versus Assassination Nation. That was great. It's mad. Skate Kitchen, also great. Matangi Maya MIA. Climax, a simple favour. Searching, loved it. Blockers, Venom, Blue Iguana. I'm not even near to the end. I'm slowing down as if I am. Sorry to bother you. Being so long, the old man and the gun. First man, surprised me. Really enjoyed it. Fahrenheit 11.9, really enjoyed it. I I should have had that on the long list, actually. Let's add that as a a, a post-mortem. It's on the long list, right? Blind spotting, terminal, outlocking, leave no trace. Mandy, boy erased, comes out in, in 2019. So I couldn't include it. Creed 2, beautiful boy, comes out in 2019. Couldn't include it. Shoplifters, the favourite, comes out in 2019, so I couldn't include it. But boy, was it good. Oh, it was good. Emma Stone's amazing. Olivia Coleman's amazing. Everyone in it is amazing. Really good film, that. Um, I thought it was going to be a, a dusty period drama but it's not it's humorous it's light it's wonderful widows loved it overlord loved it fighting with my family comes out in 2019 so couldn't include it bohemian rhapsody Mowgli, three identical strangers can you ever forgive me comes out in 2019 so couldn't include it ralph wrecks the internet white boy rick loved it bomb city spider-man into the spider-verse aquaman bird box Black Mirror Bandersnatch, Disqualified, Unsane, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Happy New Year, Colin Burstead, loved it, 120 BPM, and Loveless. And that has been my 2018 in film. I would love to hear your thoughts. I won't be posting the image of my list for a few days because I want people to listen to it here. And if, as I said, if I post the image... They won't listen to the explanation and the discussion. They'll just go, cool, here's mine. And I do want to hear yours, but I want to hear yours because you've listened and you've taken in the conversation. Um, Oh, I got out of breath doing that rundown of the films of the year. What a year of films, man. I really enjoyed it. I think it's been great. Hang on, let me quickly get up. I will get up last year's films of the year for you in case this is your first one. In fact, I'm going to do I'm going to do the last I'm going to tell you the last few years ones. So, last year was Train Spotting 2 seeing Get Out, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Raw Logan, Lady Macbeth, Dunkirk, Atomic Blonde, Detroit, Beach Rats, The Death of Stalin, Brawl and Cell Block 99. Colossus, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and Thor Ragnarok. The year before that, was that the year before, or was that the year before the year before? I think the year before that was Victoria, Deadpool, Nina Forever, Green Room, I, Daniel Blake, American Honey, Doctor Strange, and Rogue One. And then the year before that, Tangerine, Ant-Man, Legend, The the Diary of a Teenage Girl, The Gift, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Black Mass, Birdman, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, What We Do in the, Sh- the Shadows, Jurassic World, Mad Max Fury Road, Straight Out Compton, Dope, Avengers, and Super Bob. The Gift. I have Joel Egerton of The Gift, who directed and starred in The Gift, and I think he wrote it. Um, he's coming on the podcast in the new year. That's exciting, isn't it? 
Um, n- next week, I've got Eddie Marson. Um, who else have I already recorded? I've already recorded Stephen Merchant. Merchant and, and Joel Egerton, I've got to hold on to a little bit because we're releasing those episodes around release dates. But next week is Eddie Marson. Oh, I've recorded Mark Miller. He's amazing. Those who are already on my, on my, my Patreon, of course, will know that. That I've done those because I post a little photo every time I record a new podcast. In fact, I'll, I'll take a photo now and, and, and post it. Yeah, head over to patreon.com slash Pip if you fancy supporting the podcast and having the free content. We uploaded the Drunkcast Hangover there, which I recorded post the, the, the morning after the Drunkcast. Over the year, I'm going to be doing Poem of the Month. Each month, the first Monday of each month, I'll be recording a new spoken word piece. Not new, I'm going through an old hard drive of my old old pieces. So I've recorded the first five or six and only one of them has come up so far that turned in, into something that was on a future album. Um, but yeah, I'll be doing that the first Monday of each month. And I'll also be doing the Distraction Pieces Rewind. I'm going to be doing these these mini podcast episodes on Patreon only. And I said it's a quid a month, mate. It's a quid a month. That's literally all it is. You can pay more, but it's a quid a month. These episodes where I just go back and talk about previous episodes and give a little bit of behind the scenes. I'm going to be doing five episodes at the time. So starting in February, it's, it's going to be the third Monday of the month. And it'll be talking about episodes... A, a one to five, which off the top of my head is R- 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 Russell Brand, Zane Lowe, Alan Moore, DJ Yoda, and I can't think who the next one was. Was it Ramesh or Nick Frost? Oh no, I think it was Simon Singh. So yeah, I'll be going over them. If it is Simon Singh, I'll be, t- be telling you about the fact he bought an Enigma machine uh, to the podcast with him and showed me how they cracked the enigma code uh so yeah i'll be doing them and they're just i I think it's going to be a fun thing to go back and reflect on these as i said originally i started the patreon and i wasn't going to put anything on there it was just just a place that if you wanted to chip in if you enjoy the podcast for uh, for free and don't want to buy merch which is also a cracking option then um Oh, yeah, you could head over there. But if not, then, yeah, as I said, that's it. It's Patreon, that's that. Ramble, ramble. It was just going to be that, and then I've enjoyed it over there. I've enjoyed the little community. I've enjoyed that it's a closed community. You don't have the wider world of social media jumping in and talking shit. Yeah, head over there and get involved in that. Oh, I should do a little drop the outro music now, and then I'll do an outro. You've been listening to Scrooge Pit's Discretion Pieces. There we go. Okay. So, yeah, thank you for tuning in, guys. I'll be back next week with Eddie Marson. Uh, and my club night's back this um, end of this month. It's going to be a good one. I've got Gemma Candy coming down. Let me check what the exact date is. Hang on. Let me get my phone back out. 26th of January at the book club. Come down and get involved. It's going to be amazing. Um, 
also, if you enjoyed this, if you're into films, I recommend films to be buried with, with Brett Goldstein. I recommend the Cinemile, which is a, a, a podcast where husband and wife walk a mile to their their local cinema. On the way there, they give a bit of a preview of what they're going to see. On the way back, they review it, and they have a, a the first section is without spoilers the first section of the review is is without spoilers and then they have a spoiler street section at the end for those who've seen the film i recommend that and also i recommend the two shot podcast which is is cracking great interviews with great actors um the joe gilgan episode is great i know a lot of you have been wanting him on here for a while he's fantastic on that jody coma another person who i'm meant to be be having on here at some point or i've asked a jody hit me up to say oh i'm a fan of the podcast and i was like do you want to come on and i've not uh i've not had a response since so <laughs> i don't know if that will happen but she's cracking and obviously a very busy girl rightfully so so there's no pressure or drama there um yeah i recommend those podcasts and i will see you all soon i think i've talked a bit about the pod bible oh we announced the pod bible stuff on on the podcast um pod bible is a magazine i'm helping out with that's going to be launching in february and i'm going to be handing it out at tube stations i've not announced that yet i don't think we will announce when and where in case you 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 want to come and guarantee you get a physical copy from me and you can have a photo from me and Stu and ad who are the two guys who've kind of been putting it together and i'm helping out with a few reviews and thoughts and recommendations so yeah, so we'll be handing it out at tube stations and in London and doing kind of a meet and greet, big launch, exciting times. So yeah, that's the plan. I will go now because it's New Year's Day and I have r- 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 writing to go and do. I'm going to go and get some writing done. I'm going to get some exercise done and I'm going to start the year in a very motivated way away you'll be pleased to know you might not be pleased to know the first four four or five days of the year i'm locking myself away from all all friends and family to get some writing done i've got a writing project that had to go on hold a bit because of another writing project that took priority but now that that other writing project is at the stage of it's being shopped about a bit i can now jump back on the the writing project i've been working on for a long time because I'm close to a finished draft, I think. I've had to rework a lot of it. It's boring. I'm not. I'm being v- v- vague and mysterious. But yeah, j- j- just know that I'm starting this year off. And I, I, I was working at the end of the year as well. I'm working hard, guys. That's what I'm trying to get across. I'm working hard, man. My life's tough for an artist. Anyway, that's more than enough. It's a long episode. But I hope you've enjoyed it. And please go and watch all these films. And don't steal them. If they're available to watch legally, then then watch them. If they are not, then wait till they're available to watch legally. I have not picked any films here that are huge blockbusters. So genuinely, every stream, every paid-for copy of DVD will influence whether or not more films like this get made. Um, and it's not a g- g- given anymore, man. It really isn't. I, as I said, I saw a lot of blockbusters this year and loved them, but I don't want them to be the only films. 
getting made. So support in the cinema if you can, but if not, buy the DVDs off Amazon or Blu-rays or off anywhere you feel is the best value. Um, or pay to the, the download them or watch them on Netflix and tell your friends about them. That's what I ask of you guys. I will see you next week as I'm joined by the legend Eddie Marson. This has been the Films of the Year 2018. My name is Scroobius Pip. I love you. But I can't do a Buxton ending. I did a Buxton start. See you later. Ta-ta.